The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. Again, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and added no sorrow to it. Over the last year and a half approximately, we have walked in the blessings of the Lord. We have faced some difficult days. We've had some challenging times. But one thing that got us through to this point are the blessings of the Lord and good counsel. When you're facing difficulty, when you're facing a tough decision, you need good counsel. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. That's the way Psalms number one begins. But speaking of Psalms, I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. In Psalm 37, I want to read to you, beginning at verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret of him who prospers in his way because of the man who brings wicked schemes to passes. God says, never lose it. Never get discouraged. Never get angry. Because you see the evildoer or the wicked prospering in ways that perhaps you don't see being measurably done in your own life. But here in Psalms 37, the psalmist David gives wise counsel. He gives wise counsel, providing us steps to take as you face crisis, or should say crises, and tough decisions in life. David's counsel was to, number one, trust in the Lord. Number two, delight yourself also in the Lord. Then he says, commit your ways to him. And then in verse seven, he says, you got to learn how to rest in the Lord. But you know, none of these steps work without rejoicing in the Lord. Let me say it again. None of these steps work. I don't care what kind of counsel you've received 
and how good you think that counsel is. That counsel will fail if you don't have the joy of the Lord. So without the joy of the Lord, good, even good counsel will fail. But I want to focus in on verse 4 to begin these series of messages. Well, David says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give to you the desires of your heart. To delight in someone means to experience great pleasure, great joy in that person's presence. You know the feeling we get when the grandchildren come around. And if they stayed alone, the light goes to good night. But to delight, to delight in someone means to experience great pleasure and joy in that person's presence. But this only happens when you know that person well. Do you know the Lord? How can you delight in the Lord if you don't know the Lord? And the better you know the Lord, the more knowledge you have of the Lord, the better you can delight yourself also in the Lord. It reminds me of Psalms 16, verse 11, where David the psalmist also said, For you will show me the path of life. In your presence there's fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So everything is centered around joy. So what is joy? Well, I want to take it a step further. Over the last several weeks, I've been telling you that joy is cheerfulness. It's gladness. It's delight. But let me take it a step further. Joy is a feeling. It's a feeling that accompanies the expectation, the acquisition, and the possession of the things you desire. That gives us joy, a feeling of joy, because you feel like you're possessing those things. And to delight in the Lord necessitates what David told us in his counsel, to delight in the Lord, number one, it necessitates you trusting in the Lord. Number two, it necessitates you delighting yourself in the Lord. It necessitates you committing your way to the Lord. And of course, it necessitates being patient by resting in the Lord. We trust, we delight, we commit, and we rest in the consciousness of the presence of the Lord. And we do that because we're acknowledging that God is the source of our joy. He is the source of our joy. So if all these things are so, the good counsel from David, to understand what it means to delight in a person, to understand what joy really means, not just, you know, cheerfulness, gladness and delight, 
But joy also means I have a feeling way down on the inside. And this feeling accompanies my expectation and acquisition and possession of the things I desire. So if all those things are so, then why aren't the desires of your heart being fulfilled? Why don't we receive the desires of our heart sometimes? And so I want to call this message this morning, the desires of your heart. The desires of your heart. And so it begs the question, when David says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give unto you the desires of your heart. So why aren't we receiving the desires of our heart? The truth be told, beloved, the problem is never with God. But the problem lies in you. The problem lies in you. I like to say it this way. Within you lies the power to seize the hour. Within you, you're the one that's limiting. God granted unto you the desires of your heart. It's not God holding out on you. It's not God holding back. You have the power within yourself. Within you lies the power to seize the hour. You might say, why do you say that? Well, Ephesians chapter 3, the 20th verse tells us, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power, here it is, that works in you. There is a power at work in you. And we need to use that power to seize the hour, meaning that I'm going to use the power that God has given me to release the desires of my heart being received in my life. So Paul said to the Ephesians, not unto him who is able. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you ask or think, above all that you ask or imagine. So many times we have, have had an imagination of a desire being fulfilled in our lives, but yet that desire goes unfulfilled. It escapes us. But Paul says it's according to the power that works in you. So many people have made excuses about not fulfilling, not receiving the desires of the Lord. Excuses like they're not smart enough. They don't know this. They don't know that or the other. Excuses like the facts are against me. The facts are stacked up against me. If that's your attitude, you've lost even before starting. Then some people have said, well, I just don't have the power or, or others have too much power over me. Let me go back to what Paul said. The power is within you to receive all from God that you ask or imagine. 
What we need to understand, if you want to see the desires of the Lord fulfilled in your life, beloved, you got to have the right attitude. you got to have faith in God. And instead of marming and complaining, you got to get your praise on. In the Lord, your attitude is more important than your aptitude. I need you to hear me on this. In the Lord, your attitude is more important than your aptitude. You could be an idiot, an imbecile, a moron, but if you're willing to trust in the Lord, to delight yourself also in the Lord, to commit your ways unto the Lord and rest in him, you can see the fulfillment of the desires of your heart because attitude is more important than your aptitude. Then your faith is more important than the facts. I don't care what the facts are in the natural. Facts are oftentimes just excuses we use to be mediocre in faith, mediocre in our walk with God. I like the saying that Excuses was nothing more than a tool in, in, uh, in the toolbox of the incompetent. That's all excuses are. Excuses keep us incompetent in our faith, keep us lagging behind, keep us being on the outside looking in. But I'm telling you, your faith is more important than the facts. I don't care what the facts are. The Lord said, if you'll trust in him. The Lord says, if you delight yourself also in him, he will give you the desires of your heart. Just commit your ways unto him regardless of the facts. Regardless of the facts, rest in him. And then praise is always more important than power. It isn't always about how much power you have in life or how much power you think others may have over you. If you will praise the Lord, God inhabits the praises of his people. And I'm telling you that the praises unto God will always be more important than power because God is all power. So are the desires of the righteous always right? Some of you thought, well, maybe I didn't receive the desires of my heart, because maybe they weren't right. I want you to understand something here, that more often than not, if you love God, you are the righteousness of God, then your desires are always right. I'll prove it from the scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. If you are joined to the Lord, you are one with him in spirit. How can your desire not be God's desire? See, here's the key, beloved. When we start desiring what God desires for us, then we can more quickly see the fulfillment of the desires of our heart. Let me give you a little test you can use if you, if you will to know if your desires are righteous. 
But before I do that, let's talk about what a desire is. What is a desire? Over the years, God has granted unto many desires of my heart. Sometimes there were job opportunities, open doors in ministry. Sometimes there were things that happened in my family. Sometimes they were ministry, traveling ministry opportunities. You know, I have ministered on the continent of Africa on four different occasions. And each time it was God granting me a desire of my heart. I didn't reach out to somebody and say, can you invite me? They found me. They reached out to me. And I knew that was the desire of my heart because I always want to bring the gospel to the continent of Africa. And so I didn't need to go looking for an opportunity. The opportunity came looking for me because I was delighting myself in the Lord and he gave unto me the desires of my heart. So desire is a craving. Listen to me. A desire is a request. And many times it's an unspoken request. We just desire something. And we, in, we imagine something that could happen for us in our minds. And we never verbalize it. But it's still a desire. A desire is a wish. It's something you long for and something you hope for. This is a desire. But here's a little test I want to give you to apply to know if your desire is righteous. So you don't second guess yourself. So you don't talk yourself out of your blessing. How can you know if your desire is righteous? After all, you're joined to the Lord. After all, you and the Lord are one spirit. If your desire has love for God, then it's a good possibility that desire is of God. Number one. Number two, if your desire has love for others, then there's a good possibility that desire is a righteous desire. You cannot say that something is a desire of your heart and God's going to give it to you when it violates the love of God. You cannot have a desire that hate on somebody, that mistreat somebody, that cheat somebody, misuse somebody. That violates the love of God. And it also violates your love for others. Can't look at a married person and say, I'm married to that person. That's the desire of my heart. No, that violates the love of God. And that violates love for that person's spouse. So God is not obligated to just grant any desire to us. But he promised he would give us the desires of our heart. And if our hearts are knitted with his, if our hearts are joined to him in one spirit, then we know our desires are going to be righteous desires. I'm not going to crave something, request something, wish for something, long for something, and hope for something that will render me out of the will of God. I won't do that, huh? So even though we rejoice and we say, well, thank you, Lord, for giving me the desires of my heart. That's a faith statement. That's a faith statement. 
We got to learn to rejoice as if things were so because we walk by faith and not by sight. Did you hear me? We got to rejoice as if it is so. Let me give you a good example of that in Psalms 21. And I'll show you why we rejoice as if it were so. In Psalms 21, David the psalmist, once again, Verse 1, David says, the king, speaking of himself, the king shall have joy in your strength, O Lord, and in your salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. For you have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. What was the desire of David's heart? The desire of David's heart was to defeat the Ammonites. The desire of David's heart was to overthrow the raw city of the Ammonites, the city of Rabab. The desire of David's heart was to one day wear a golden crown like kings do. Then in verse 3 we see that God granted David his desire. For you, for you meet him with the blessings of goodness. You set a crown of pure gold upon his head. So David rejoiced in the Lord. He had joined the strength of the Lord. In fact, he greatly rejoiced, believing God to fulfill the desire of his heart. Then he was able to say, you have given me the desire of my heart. You have not withheld the request of my lips. For you've met me with blessings and goodness. You've given me victory over the Ammonites, given me victory over the king of the Ammonites, over the royal city. And you've even given me a crown of pure gold to wear on my head. This is a classic example of why <clears throat> we should rejoice as if our desires were already so. Don't tell me you believe in God to give you the desire of your heart but yet you're not feeling that thing. And if you're feeling it, it ought to move you in joy and delight unto the Lord. Huh? Remember now, joy is that feeling that accompanies the expectation, the acquisition, and the possession of the things we desire. If you ain't feeling it, you're not really believing it. Did you hear what I said? If you're not feeling it, you're not believing it. You're just talking loud, saying nothing. Saying the Lord going to give me the desires of my heart. Well, if the Lord's going to give you the desires of your heart, then that desire is in your heart. And if that desire is in your heart, it ought to move you to joy and delight unto the Lord. How many hear what I'm saying? Hmm? But you got to rejoice as if the desire was already so. And here's why you should do that. Let me give you three reasons why you should do that. And I'll give you some scriptures to back this up. Number one, your desire already exists. Let me say it again. Your desire already exists. God was laying up for you even before you got here. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says, According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, 
that we be holy and without blame and love in him. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. God chose you. God chose you before the foundation of the world. And in that foundation, when God chose you, God laid up for you every desire you would ever have that's according to his heart. So God was preparing for us, storing up for us, laying up for us the very things we desire. And the only reason you can even desire it is because it already exists. I dare you to think of anything that doesn't already exist. I don't care how wild it may seem. The only reason you can conceive it in your mind is because it already exists. And so your desire already exists. Another reason you should rejoice is if it's so. Even though you're just seeking your desire, your desire is also seeking you. Did you hear what I said? Because God chose you and laid up for you, his desires and blessings are seeking you. You don't have to go chasing after your blessing. Your blessing is chasing after you. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 2 says, And all of these blessings of the Lord shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Did you hear that? Of all of these blessings, the blessings of God, they will come upon you and they will overtake you if you're walking in obedience. That's how your blessing finds you. That's how the desire of your heart finds you because you're walking in a place called there. You're walking in the blessings of, of the Lord in a place called there and that's exactly where that blessing is going to overtake you. So not only do, does it already exist, the desire is seeking you. Then we need to understand something. If you get in your heart, a desire of your heart, you don't get that in a vacuum. You have to understand God's role in that. When you have a desire in your heart, it is the same as if God was knocking at the door of your heart. And God wants you to allow that desire to come in. Hmm? God is knocking at the door of our hearts. Why did I say that? In Revelation chapter 3, the Lord instructed John to write to the angels of the seven churches of Asia. But that seventh church, the church of the Laodiceans, that lukewarm church, Here's what the Lord said to that lukewarm church. He says that I wish that you were cold or hot. And because you're neither cold nor hot, you're lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, the Lord says, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you're neither cold nor hot. Then in the 20th verse, God said to that same church, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open up the door and invite me in, I will come unto him and I'll sup with him and he with me. That is God fulfilling the desire of your heart. 
Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.